good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome, I'm Rob, and um, we're really glad you've joined us. Uh, we've been teaching through the scriptures, and today we're going to be looking at Jesus' ministry and the kind of the beginning of his ministry and some of the main events that made that up. And so as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of when I began my ministry and some of the, the first experiences that I had as a pastor. And so I thought I'd share a few with you this morning. I remember... Um, when I was in my first year of ministry, we had a, a youth retreat. We took about 60 or 70 students. I was in Dartmouth at the time, and we took them to a retreat down in the Valley of Nova Scotia for a weekend of fun and learning. It was Friday night, and a key part of every youth retreat is called night games, so playing games in the dark. And the key of all night games is capture the flag, which just involves a lot of running around and screaming in the dark. So we were doing this, and there was this annoying little middle school kid that I was chasing after through the woods. And I was in full pursuit, running as fast as I could, when all of a sudden I found myself flat on my back, staring up at the stars and seeing stars. And as I sat, laid there for a second, I realized that I'd run into a clothesline that had been between two trees. <laughs> and I could feel that my bottom lip was pulsating and sore. So I got up and quickly found the washroom and went in to see if it was split open and there was no blood, so that was all good. So I figured I, I can keep on going and I went back out playing. A little bit later that evening, I was standing in front of the students doing the devotional or something and they were all laughing at me. And I realized that I hit a clothesline that had two lines on it. The bottom line hit my lip, but the top of the clothesline hit my forehead and had put a very large oozing gash on it. And um, this was such a spiritually impactful experience for the students that when I left the church and they did a little skit to kind of, as a farewell event, the puppet that they used in the skit, they put a big piece of red tape on his forehead. <laughs> this is how my ministry began. I remember my very first night of high school youth group. This was in the church in the evening and my time to do some Bible teaching. And I had studied Hebrew in seminary, and I was really excited about this one he particular Hebrew verb that appears in 2 Samuel chapter 11, all throughout the passage. And I was talking about it, and I was so excited about it. I could tell as I was talking that no one else was all that excited about the different cognates of this Hebrew verb that appeared in 2 Samuel chapter 11. This was how my ministry began. <laughs> well, I remember as a student pastor down in beautiful Chester, Nova Scotia. Uh, it was the summer. Uh, I was getting married. And I remember I'd come home from church and um, I was running up the stairs to my apartment and I lived in a top floor of, of a lady from our church's house. And I ran upstairs into my apartment and I was ambushed. I was attacked, I was thrown to the ground and duct taped from head to toe by my best friends. Um, I was getting married and so they thought they would take me away for the weekend and treat me to a weekend of golf but didn't want me to escape so they duct taped me and blindfolded me. They were dragging me down the stairs and dragging me across my parking lot to, to the car that was waiting for the big escape um, when an elder from the church came by and thought that he'd just pop in and visit the young student pastor. And I'll never forget the exact phrase he used as he stood there kind of not sure if he should call the police or what. And he said to me, I can see that you're entertaining some guests. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to be fired or not. I could go on and on because these are only the kind of stories that I have from as my ministry began, so many of them. And the basic summation was, is this guy going to make it? We don't know. <laughs> Today we're going to look at three kind of main events as Jesus' ministry began. And I hope that as we go through them and as we unpack them and look at them together, that you'll be moved at how Jesus enters into our life story. 
So we're gonna jump right in this morning. If you'd like to read along, we're gonna be using the Red Pew Bible or the Red Bible in front of you. It's on page 1499, Matthew chapter three. You can look it up on your phones if you want or if you um, brought your own Bible. Matthew chapter three, page 1499. And I'm just gonna read verse 13 to 17. This is the story of Jesus' baptism, the very beginning of his ministry. Matthew chapter 3, 13 to 17. It reads like this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, which is a river, to be baptized by John, which is John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and he saw the Holy Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This is a fascinating story because baptism is for sinners. And Jesus was sinless. So why was he being baptized? I can guarantee you that we've never baptized a sinless person in this building. Every single person that we baptized is, sin- is a sinner. And that's what baptism symbolized, the turning from life to death and the turning from ourselves towards Christ. And yet Jesus was baptized. And why? Why was he baptized? Well, there's, there's two main reasons. The first is he was going to show us, he was going to role model for us what righteous people do. He was going to show, this is what righteous people do. It's an amazing encounter. It starts with John the Baptist, who was the original hippie. If John were here today, he wouldn't be sitting with any of you folks. He'd be sitting kind of in the back where Nick is, sitting there in the corner. And uh, he'd kind of had made his own clothes. He probably rode here on his bike. He's sipping some organic tea that he bought online. And he'd go home and eat a kale salad that he grew in his own garden. And he'd be blogging all afternoon about getting caught up in the establishment and being a part of the empire and a problem that's ro- part of what's wrong with the world. This would be John the Baptist. He lived on the fringe. And if John's call, his ministry, as the last of the prophets was to get people ready for Jesus, to prepare the way for Jesus coming into the world. So when Jesus tells John to baptize him, John does not feel worthy. But did you notice what Jesus said to him? He said, let it be so, John. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And righteousness is just being right with God. When you and I have a relationship with God that's right, there's nothing awkward or coming between us, we can just be in his presence and it's right to do so. And even though Jesus had never sinned, he was going to show us what people who are right with God do. And those people get baptized. An act of surrender, an act of dedication, a public testimony of the fact that we have been made right with God. And Jesus and people who follow along to him, they do what Jesus says for them to do. And so Jesus gets baptized. And I love what we learn from the baptism. Not only is Jesus role modeling the righteous life for us, he's showing us what it means to be part of God's family and how people in God's family get treated by God. And we see this in the way that the Trinity interacts with itself. This is one of those rare passages of scripture where you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all present in the same passage. Did you notice what God the Father says to Jesus when he comes up out of the water? This is my son whom I love and whom I'm well well pleased. 
You know, my pastoral ministry, um, there are just so many people who are aching to hear these words from a parent. To hear their parents say to them that I love you and that I'm proud of you. And maybe they are working extra hard at work to get promotions. Maybe they're outperforming everybody else on a sports team. Maybe they're just doing everything they can to get the highest marks they can to get their parents to say those life-giving, transformational words, I love you and I'm proud of you. And as God the Father expresses his love and pride for his son, he gives us a glimpse of how God views us his children, that he loves us and that he's proud of us. Note that Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He's not done anything impressive in terms of ministry. He's not healed anybody. He's not cast out any demons. He's not told any great stories or preached any great sermons. He's not done anything, and yet God looks down on him and says, this is my boy. I love him, and I'm proud of him. <laughs> And we would discover that God's affection for us is not based on our performance and the good things that we've done. It's based on the fact that we're his daughters and we're his sons. Because there's gonna be times in our life when we just blow it, when the wheels come off and we completely wipe out, and the temptation in those seasons is to think that God doesn't like me as much anymore or he doesn't like me at all. There's gonna be times when we look around us and we see that everybody else seems to have their act together but me. And there's gonna be a temptation to think that God loves them more because they're performing better than we are. And when God the Father says to God the Son, this is my Son whom I love and am well pleased, this is not a performance statement, it's a relationship statement. And when you and I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we have these constant, this constant, foundational, powerful, life-giving truth that this is how God looks on us. So baptism, not only does Jesus show us the way to the righteous life by doing what we ought to do by being baptized, but he also gives us a glimpse of what it's like to be in relationship with God and how he feels and looks on towards us. So that's the first scene. Now, Jesus' ministry starts off so well. We're having such a great time. He's been baptized. God the Father speaks on him. The Holy Spirit is there shining a light on him, just like he did in the, in the creation story. And we're thinking, things are going so well, we're probably gonna move down to the church basement like after any normal baptism, have some church sandwiches and some watered-down church juice. But no. Immediately, Mark's gospel says, Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Immediately after Jesus' identity has been established, his identity is going to be tested. And we read this in Matthew chapter 4. It's the, exact, the, the, the next verses. So I'm going to read it for you, and there's a test afterwards. And the test is simply this. For those of you that have been reading through the scriptures as, we've, as we have been since September, there's going to, this next set of verses is going to remind you of two Old Testament passages, and I want you to kind of be listening for them as I read this passage for you. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus, led by the Spirit, went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And he quotes a passage of scripture saying, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands 
so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, now quoting scripture, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this, he says, I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve 